You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Clear the aisles, the projectionist has Smicha. Hi, I'm here with my good friend, Mark Gottlieb. And I said, Mark, I need somebody for this week. And Mark says, yeah, I'll jump in. Um, and Mark, you know, we of course have a, a history of actually go escape for me. It was such a place to, to sort of like this, this huge, um, you know, ven- this huge venue to lose yourself. Um, and, and I know that it was probably therapeutic for me considering whatever difficult stuff was going on that I didn't even know was difficult. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even know that, 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 that there was difficulty, but going to the theater and I was a way, going to the movies was a way to and I, to tap into something different, greater. And um, and that experience, I guess, uh, you don't really get uh, in front of a computer or even a big screen TV. Um, no. In fact, if you go to theaters today, at least in the AMC chain, there is a about a two-minute, it's essentially a commercial for AMC theaters narrated and starring Nicole Kidman about the power of the movie theater that there's nothing like it there's nothing like the the power of the movie theater and obviously she's from a business point of view from a consumer point of view they're you know they're hoping to recover that audience that pre-pandemic audience but I think on the merits of the argument I think I think it's quite true that there is nothing like right the movie question is have we has that ship sailed the I, I hope not. I don't think so. Yeah, I think again we know so many theaters have closed, and I think you know there are films like I think it's a great film, which again um, uh, Soderbergh's Kimmy. I don't know if you saw that film, but I, I did see Kimmy. Yeah, I right. did. I I enjoyed it. Right, but films like Soderbergh's Kimmy and others are clearly meant for the small screen. They're meant for a, a yeah. They're more claustrophobic. They're they're more right. tight. You know. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I think that the the films that are being made are, are, are is with that understanding that it's going to be in front of a a nice screen, but not not the complete surround sound theater experience. And I think that I mean Dunkirk. You can't compare the the viewing of the film Dunkirk. I haven't seen Nolan's Dunkirk. Oh, you got to see Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it it's meant to be seen in a big on a big screen. Yeah, no. You I have to see it on a big screen. Whereas 1917, I think, of course, it works more effectively on a big screen, no doubt. But you could still view it on a small screen because it's so story driven. Whereas Dunkirk is so driven by the the images and the visuals and the the sound, mm-hmm. um, it's just a different experience. Yeah. Well, again, it's Christopher Nolan, right? So I think that he, uh, you yeah. know, he's definitely somebody who uh, understands the power. Uh, yeah. what it means to get an audience trapped and and to you know wow them okay well anyway if i don't know if we're ever going to so so why don't you talk about the film that you want to talk about okay Avramel, i i'd like to talk tonight about the 1939 film goodbye mr chips uh 1939 is a magical year in film history as you know, Avramel, it's an Anas Mirabalis of, of sorts. We've got, the list is, is very long. Uh, the list includes The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, 
good uh mr smith goes to washington ninochka uh and uh goodbye mr chips also weathering heights whether i shouldn't forget weathering heights one of my fa- favorites yes uh so this is a this was a year of great great films and while goodbye mr chips did not win best picture gone with the wind merited that that uh, accolade uh the film did nab a best actor award for the portrayal of the titular uh head mr chips uh played by R- robert donay very classy english actor who uh died very young apparently he died at 53 years old um but he had you know a career in the 20s even and early, mid you know through the mid 30s and couple of films in the in the 40s and 50s that were that were noteworthy but i saw this film on the recommendation of a teacher of mine a rebbe of mine and i don't know if it was the age in which i saw it i saw it when i was a teenager very much the age of many of the students of the film of course goodbye mr chips is about a english public school the brookings school teacher brookfield brookfield school the brookfield school teacher the don of classics who year after year sees new students and wonders what his life really is about and through a couple of different interventions including his wife who tragically dies uh in childbirth and a friend a german friend he he learns patience and and generosity and he becomes a fuller man a fuller a fuller teacher a, f- a fuller mentor and he begins to understand the value that he had to these young boys he has multiple generations uh of uh of students uh from the same family and look it 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 could be lacrimose a little bit and a little bit sentimental but for my money it's the best teacher film the teacher genre film um you have more modern versions like mr holland's opus i would take mr uh mr. goodbye mr chips yeah. any day oh, for sure mr holland's opus is you know, Richard Dreyfus, you know, is guilty of becoming, you know, of 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 Gero Loyoger. I'm saying a lot of ham in that. It's like the William Shatner esque. Yes, yes. Plus, it's 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 so bloated. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very bloated. It, it, it's like you could. It, does, it doesn't hold up well. Whereas I think forty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah. You put forty minutes out of it. Greta Greer plays Catherine. The um you know this beautiful woman who who uh Robert Donay's character meets uh walking on a walking tour uh of Europe of uh Switzerland and she falls this beautiful Rear Garson this uh beautiful woman falls for this bookish this you know rather you know uh inward grasping and and awkward uh english don and yet she breathes such life into him and she gives him a sense of meaning and hope and joy and uh it's just a a, a wonderful film of of enduring value for me and um you know the te- the the vocation of the teacher is also a very timely lesson there's a very if you remember there's the german character stiefel or stufel and after world war 1 um M- chips it also includes memorializing or, or the names of of german 
soldiers that fell in battle. And everybody thinks it's so strange, but he's including, of course, Stiefel, his friend, who uh, who fought for his, his own homeland and his own country. And uh, this is a sentiment that I think is very alien today in our, our extremely polarized world where, you know, just even just recently with the war in Ukraine, you know, Russia and Russian Russian performers, Russian athletes are being canceled and being shut out and everybody hates Russia and Russians. It's, it's not enough to just hate Vladimir Putin. We have to hate Russians, the, the, the average Russian. This was totally alien to the spirit, to the, to the more, um, I would say, generous spirit, more, um, you know, more tolerant spirit of, of this film and, and that era probably where you could see honor in the other side on a cause and not just vil you know vilify it and i, I find that sort, that sort of before was very powerful yeah look there was a certain jingoist i'm going to talk about one of those films uh, a little bit later but there was a certain propaganda jingoist turn that hollywood took in around 1941 42 when they got into the war and um uh, how this is pre this is pre the war the that's entry right. of the united states yes yes 100 percent. and uh, i think that's part of the reason why 1939 remains really this incredible year because i think films made even great films made during the 40s and during the war years they you can see the seams of of that you know ultra Casablanca, perhaps is yeah, a, yeah. Is a oh, good example yeah in some way Right. Although, again, Casablanca, because of, you know, the power of the love story, the unrequited love, I think that has a power beyond all this. It isn't just about getting people yeah. to recognize the sacrifice. No. I think it also speaks to many times, uh, and, and, you know, the person you end up with is not the person who necessarily you love the most. And I think that's part of the reason right. why Cas I think yes. part of the why Casablanca has so much power. It doesn't mean the patriotic dimension. Right. Right. Well, that part, that's what part of Casablanca was meant to do, was meant to get the uh, Americans more involved in understanding what was going on. And I think part of doing that, although Casablanca doesn't do it as with, with such blunt edges, I think that's part of what they was trying to do. But I think Chips, you know, you're right. You could have characters that um, were from different mindsets. You mentioned the Nochka as well. You know, Ninochka, of course, uh, when it was remade in the 50s, it, when the Russians were our hated enemies, not just, right? right it was a completely different film. Different, you know? yeah. So, uh, so I really, 1930, you know, we could, again, there's a reason why uh, film lovers, historians talk about what was achieved, because it was also, Mark, and I think this has something to do with what you're saying, there was also sound, set design, they got it right. It took about 10 years to perfect the talkie to the point that it was, it had the power of silence, of the great silent films. And it also was able to not just seem to be a staged play that was filmed. And I think that that, that was part of what was developing in the 1930s, the, the sound stages and just the experience. And that's part of the reason why it reached its apex in 1939. I think one of the things that Chips has, um, and I was actually, I became familiar with it, Mark, through its remake, because when mm -hmm. I was when I was running around to movie theaters, that was one of the movies that came out in 1969, 
Peter O'Toole's musical. That was a musical. Yes, right. But that was a musical remake of Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Right. And that's where I knew about it. And then uh, uh, it was only later. But one of the things that I think you know, was crucial, you talk about sentimentality. When you have a film that stretches over 65 years of a person's life, you're going yes. to touch a lot of sentimental points. Yes. There's going to be the young love. There's going to be getting old. There's going to be with loss. And I think when you, when you draw such a huge arc, you're going to be able to include everything. And I think that's, and that's one of the reasons I think that Robert Donay, you know, it's sort of like, look, he acts like a young guy. He acts like an old guy. Like he's able. Right. You know, just, although when he's looking like an old guy, it's, it's very, it feels very uh, mannered and artificial somewhat. Uh, I see. The truth is, the, makeup, know, the, the bushy, the hair is already like bushed up and it's, you know, the mustache is very puffy. He actually was sort of like a, um, a, a, uh, a dashing figure in one of my favorite films, which is um, The 39 Steps. Yeah, that's that, that's that's where he uh, is discovers again some sort of terrible spy plot that's happening in, in, in England, and he in that film isn't he's not shy at all. He's actually a you know sort of a tough guy. Uh, yeah. So I think that's part of you know playing against type and aging, being able to do all that. I think is and you know you, you throw in as you said the sentimentality of of teachers and and, and how teachers change lives. I guess that's what you're trying to bring out that. That that the because yeah, it's a dawning realization on on chips that he has actually mattered to these young men that he's really made a difference to these young men not just not just teaching them Latin and teaching them their conjunctions and conjugations and and declensions but to to give them a spirit of of curiosity to give them a spirit of of joy um, to try to to. To know that we could fail and and come back again, um, that that is something that he only realizes in retrospect, and largely due to the inspiration of his wife, who's this real muse in his life. Right. I, I think one of the things why it speaks to me is because it also deals, you know, somewhat realistically with the idea of, and you were in this world, Mark, for so long, and I have been as well, was about being passed over. He wasn't promoted. Yes, um, yes. And I think That's that right. we, we get to think that the lack of the promotion is a value judgment of who we are as a person. Sure, sure. But there and was I insecurity think, at that point. There was in his life, he felt there was a pettiness and an insecurity that he that he experienced that again changes with his wife Catherine. Right. She but, adds just so much, so much um love and and so much a reorientation of priorities subverting his old values and and making a place for love and and joy that really changes him right really you know forces him to see things differently and eventually he actually does become yes he becomes the headmaster for a number of years and then you know and then he goes back into service when you know during the war years and you know he has a very full life professionally uh but again a lot of that happens after that early loss because because i think that is again you know we talk about why it had such uh resonance i think that that's part of it so many people struggle with in their jobs trying to feel you know they don't know who they are they don't know what they've done and the only 
guideposts they have is the amount of money they're paid or the people around them. And that type of, that I think is a Makas, that's Makas Medina. And here you had a story that really addressed that and talked about how you can rise above it. And, and I think that's another you know, element of a good story. And I think that's part of the reason why you know, Chips was such a, a you know, people loved it. Of course, that was his nickname, but that's part of the reason people loved it. Um, and he does become, I think, also a better teacher. Right. Yes. He becomes, he becomes right. a better teacher when he becomes more forgiving. And it's, you know, Chesed is mediating Din. He had been very much a by the book kind of teacher and, and strictly business. And then he became more of a, hum, a humane, um, more interesting and interested uh, adult. I think part of what, and again, another sort of a universal aspect, which is that that you know his wife of course allowed him a maturity but i think and, and i know this is true in my own case and I, I think it's probably true for you too that we build from the difficulties and tragedies of our lives and we are able in a way to rise above them and use them not to just spill our guts to our students but we're able in a way to to galvanize ourselves through the tragedies that we've, we've gone through. And I, I don't know if the film brings that out, but uh, you know, his wife dies and, and, and he's able to sort of rise with her voice in his ears, I guess. And, yeah. um, and also really, and I think, again, without, I don't know if the film makes that point, but I know myself that I think I became a better teacher after my parents passed away. I, I think I was able to, to understand you're, you're less full of yourself and you also can, can, can recognize pain in others when you've gone through it. And I think that's absolutely so. Absolutely. Um, so you're right, Mark, it's sort of like a little gem that's, that, that's overlooked. Yeah, and, it's not watched very often today. It's, it's, it, it, it seems like a forgotten film. It, it doesn't have a lot of action. It, it kind of is very conservative in its sensibilities you know the the life of the teacher and honor and but it it's it is a gem and uh i think our our listeners would <laughs> yeah. do well by giving it a chance sure it's not sure. streaming on on anything that most people i mean no, right so yes mo- yes yes yeah, so, so again so a lot of the again and these are you know sort of things which are tropes which i think sometimes makes it difficult for people to uh you know to love, you know, I mean, we can appreciate Hitch, even a person today can appreciate what Hitch was doing in the thirties. Like, like, for example, the 39 steps, I think that's you know, part of it is, is we're sort of unforgiving uh, of these old films. I think mean, that's part of the reason why we, you know, um, they don't have to stand on their head and do wood nickels. Sometimes, you know, you, you have to let yourself uh, into it and um, think it's worthwhile. I wanted to talk about a film and I, I spoke to you about it already. Um, it doesn't, um, it's a film that I uh, watched over a number of evenings uh, called The Shop on Main Street. I wish I could, I wish I could uh, give you the, uh, the original uh, Slovakian way of saying it. Um, this was a film, a foreign film that won best foreign film of 1966, I believe, or 65 or 66. And um, it is an incredibly beautiful film. Um, moving, and I think one of the best films about the Holocaust, but it really shines a light 
on uh, a sort of an unknown chapter in World War II, which is how the, um, the sort of vassal, like, you know, sort of uh, toady state of the Slovakian, uh, right? You know, they, they created this, this new state, you know, Czechoslovakia was, was split up, you know, because that was sort of like artificial anyway. So they came up with, you know, the, the part of the country that was the Slovakian part. And that was a, a, a state that was going to, it was going to um, have its own power and Germany, you know, they, they would rise together with the Reich as, a, 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 and, and reach into the independence that they were needing and that they wouldn't be pushed around anymore. And, you know, the Germans, you know, cut this deal that they were going to, that they were going to uh, you know, prop up the state, give it its money, but it would be completely open to German troops and to after the Wannasee conference. What happens is, is that they become partners with the Nazis into the deportation of all the Jewish families there. Mm. Uh, and it was almost, if you, if you look into the history, you'll see that the, the level of deportation was almost complete. Um, mm. And it was, it's really shocking. What the film really does isn't just give you the, it doesn't give you the cattle cars, although they, they are mentioned. What it talks about is something that I wasn't that familiar with until I read up on it, is the Aryanization of, of, of these countries. What did that mean? That meant that this, of course, everyone knows about, okay, Jews cannot marry non-Jews. Jews cannot be out past the curfew. Jews have to wear a yellow star. Jews have to look a certain way. Here was the fact that Jewish businesses were going to be bit by bit completely taken over and stolen by the Germans or their puppets. And that was called Aryanization. And what happens was the Jew would continue to run the stores, run the businesses, but officially there'd be an Aryan controller. And what that would mean is that that person would like a succubus siphon off everything in the store till basically there was nothing left. So, mm. because this was this devious way of stealing all their money, right? They couldn't just, right? Because they wanted to control the business completely, control all the funds of the business. And as we know, the Holocaust isn't just the greatest murder of history. It's also the greatest theft of history, billions and billions of dollars. And this was what we would call, this is one of the ways it happened, not just stealing their art and breaking into their houses, the complete taking over and, and, and turning people's business into nothing and, 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 and absorbing it. Yeah, the sheer, I mean, the, the immensity of the evil. Now this film, um, which was made, I said, during what was called the Czech, you know, golden era, Czechoslovakia, which was sort of, it was a communist state, but in Czechoslovakia, there was freedom that was allowed that wasn't allowed in any other, in other places. Jan Kadar, who made the film, was, uh, had, had lived in, um, in Hungary and had been, which is very close to the border of Czechoslovakia, and had been in a, a work camp. He had suffered, um, he had not been in a concentration camp as far as I know, but he was very, very, uh, affected by everything that happened in, 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 in the Shoah. He and his, um, his co-director and the writer of the piece 
um, whose name was um, Goldman, I believe, um, they, uh, uh, they decided, again, with this communist backing, and the communists, of course, were very happy, of course, of uh, at this point, even though I, I don't know if the film could have been made a year or three years later, but at that point, they were happy that a film um, showing the evil of fascism I mean, we saw how Putin talked about <laughs> he was going to come in and denazify, right. right? The Nazis have always been, you know, the the, the Russians <laughs> and the communists' big enemy, especially when they turned on each other uh, in 1941. So the point is, is that it was the the state helped make this anti-Nazi film. And when I see it, and I see the the it being filmed on location. And I see the, the use of the extras and the language that's used. Um, and in the language, you, you, you have, of course, um, uh, Slovak actors uh, and also Jews. You have Jews who mm -hmm. are um, mm -hmm. uh, being cast as Jews. And to me, Mark, and I mentioned this to you the other day, just having them speak in the language they probably spoke in, to me, gives you a verite to the story that many other Holocaust stories cannot like, capture. And you realize you're watching a play. Even a film like Schindler's List, which I have not seen from beginning to end, I don't know how they explain everybody speaking English in the film. I don't get it. You know? They don't explain it. It's just... You, right. you under, you're meant to understand that that's obviously not the language that they're speaking. Right. And I always said, you know, we talked about Spielberg before in West Side Story. I always thought that, um, you know, I can't watch Schindler's List because I, I have an image of Spielberg somewhere behind the camera saying, all right, is there some way we could sort of make him look more pallid? Is there some way we could somehow make it seem as if we can see the guy's bones? Is there some way we could somehow, like, like I, 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 it's very difficult for me as a person who has relatives who were slaughtered in the, in the Lodge Ghetto and in Auschwitz. Right. It's hard for me to, to see a film that's a recreation of the actual camps, and especially with people speaking yeah. English. In this film, however, there is no, you, you don't see the camps. But what you do see is you do see the, the, the peasantry. You see, you get into the heart of the pride but also the revulsion and the main character, the, 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 the carpenter um, who is played by Joseph Kroner. Um, he is someone who is a frustrated person. He's frustrated because his brother-in-law, his wife's sister's husband has become this Nazi apartheid. And he, there's some past where he's, his, his inheritance has been stolen. He hasn't got the stuff from, I guess, from the sister's uh, father. And he feels like he's, he's been pushed away. He's been dismissed as a grubby guy who just works with his hands. Whereas, you know, his brother-in-law has become, uh, has risen in the ranks. And he hates, he makes fun of Hitler. He hates um, what's going on. He's not smart enough to articulate the real philosophy, but he's, he's definitely frustrated with his life and frustrated where things are. And then he gets thrown by his brother-in-law a little bone. The bone is he'll be the Aryan commander of this shop on Main Street. That shop is a shop that sells, it's sort of like what we would call a millinery shop that sells, you know, uh, buttons and ribbons and pieces of material and things like that. And sometimes now what he discovers when he goes into the shop is 
And this performance is one of considered one of the greatest performances in Hollywood history. Uh, Ida Kaminsky, who it was a, a woman whose parents helped start the Polish Yiddish theater uh, in Warsaw. Um, she at this when she made this film, I think she was in her. Um, you know, she was uh, already in her close to 70s. Um, and she ended up living the rest of her life out in Tel Aviv in there at Cicero. And she was a little, quite a celebrity over there. But when she made this film, she plays this widow who is deaf and not exactly from, but when I saw her, it reminded me so much of my grandmother and, and other mm-hmm. women that I knew. I mean, she, she, uh, who... It, it, it's not so much that they covered their hair all the time, but they have they had a certain type of noble piety, uh, mm-hmm. and and just like my grandmother was deaf, she was deaf, and she had her own way of interpreting things. And what you see, which is much more authentic than in many other films, is you know you see her you know talking about Shabbos, and you hear her talking about you, you can hear her. I heard her reading from the Tzenarena. There's one beautiful scene where she's reading from the Tzenarena, and the Tzenarena, she's reading that as uh, like a Yiddish Musser, and she says in Yiddish, as do Akrit, so we should mention if there's a fight between people, there's all ending in fire Shabbos. You should, you should try to have it stop before Shabbos starts. Before Shabbos, yeah. And I can tell you, 99% of the people who were watching this film had no idea what she was saying. But it was so, <laughs> it, it, it was so perfect in terms of you know what was happening in the film, which was that the that the the populists were being raised on to hate the Jews and to basically right. start the deportation. What happens in the film, really, the dynamic of the film is that she gives this carpenter a sense of purpose. First of all, he, she dresses him up; she makes him feel good, and. She gives him her husband's clothes. He also sees in her and in the Jewish world around her, honesty, he sees that they don't get drunk. They don't just sing, you know, and, and, and lose themselves in drink, but they actually are concerned about each other. He's, instead of the brother-in-law that he has, who gives him something which is basically worthless, he sees how the community takes care of each other and how this widow is really someone who has no money. But the only reason there's any money is because the, the, the Roisha call of the community, a man with a long beard, and some of the businessmen who are obviously on their way to the deportation, they don't know this yet, they are supporting. And they call him a malach, and they tell him how you're going to take care of the Salmana for us. And we know we have to pay you but she's going to get money enough to live. And we know that now this is the regime we're going to have to pay you. He doesn't tell his wife this. You know, his wife thinks that she, that he somehow is, this is a thriving business and that he somehow is, is, is now in charge and putting it together. Really what it is, he's, he's shocked. And, and, and in a way he becomes drawn into this, to the, the beauty of the Jewish life that's there. There's a young Hasidish boy who asks him questions about carpentry, uh, you know, and, and, and helps him. And he finally, he doesn't have any children himself. And he feels like he, that he can give something over about the work that he's doing because he tries to fix up the old woman's uh, uh, furniture. And he feels there's something important in what he's doing. Um, anyway, the film really also talks about the resistance 
And I thought it was an interesting way that the resistance, you know, wasn't these noble um, partisans, were also actually just out for, you know, they were also trying to play the Jews for as much money as they could find. Yes, they didn't like what was going on, but there was also angles. Yeah, and, and I think that's part of why the film has meaning and power today is because it resists um, easy, easy, evil uh, caricatures. I think everyone, the, the, the main characters in the film, no one is painted in such a grotesque, ugly fashion that you just see them as, 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 as a monster that can't be related to. And I think that's, you know, that, that's part of what is important. It's good for art. <laughs> Definitely. I think also the film deals with two interesting things. One is really what happens when you recognize that you're part of something evil and that evil is happening around you. And, 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 and um, you know, his wife um, tells him, um, you know, first of all, I should say, you know, when he's making the money, his wife becomes more amorous and, you know, she's willing to bring him into bed with her, which he wasn't able to do earlier. And he's, and, he, and, and there's such a great scene where John Kadar knows, you know, the, the character knows that, that he's, he's living off of this lie and it, it's killing him on the inside, you know, even though, you know, because his wife believes that now they're going to have money and now I can love you and now I can, I, I, I can be, I can service you. And really he knows that, that, that this is a, a fiction and, it, it, you, it, you know, he's, it, he's willing to show the angst in the character, although he's not an incredibly bright or intelligent person, nothing like Robert Donay and, and, and Mr. Chips. Um, also, um, when he realizes that the deportation begins, you know, what's he supposed to do? He's thinking, can I hide her? Can I not hide her? And then he's thinking that he has to, he has to give her up because if he doesn't give her up, they're going to call him the Jew lover. And he's going to be considered maybe a secret person from the resistance. And, and he's, and of course she's deaf and he's screaming at her and he's trying. And, and you can see that, that unlike many linear films where it's clear the motivation of the character here it's almost like zigzagging within him he's drinking during this whole time but what's what's really struggling with him on one end i have to give her up if i don't give her up they're going to kill me right on the other hand when i can't give her up because because this is terrible i have to try to hide her i need to get her to understand right um and uh, her performance it, it, it isn't just like this crazy little doddering old lady. You know, she, when she realizes um, what's going on, the, the pogrom, you know, when she goes back into the past and she realizes what's happening, um, she tries to run away. Uh, she tries to hide. And, and, and he, in a way, oh, I got to, you have to, you have to move. He tries to push her out. And then when, when she doesn't go, he feels he's maybe going to hide her in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a closet because the, 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 the police are, are checking the, the, the shop and he picks her up, he lifts her up literally and he throws her into the closet as if he's saving her. And then he discovers that he has not saved her, that whether it was the shock of what was going on for her or the force in which he threw her to try to save her, that actually kills her. And you can see... And, and, and again, it's such an apt metaphor about, you know, how we try to extricate ourselves out of situations. 
Um, and, and what's, and I, and I haven't seen, I've seen, you know, I've seen films that have talked about, you know, and we talk about, are you going to stand up to fascism? Are you going to change? Are you going to realize? Are you going to just be selfish like Casablanca and other films? Or are you going to be realized you have to give up for another person? Here, it's so, as I said, of course, it's evil. Of course, it's wrong. On the other hand, you know, what could you do? What would you do? And the film actually talks, and I think this is really a subtext, is that he, although his wife is young and sensuous and seemingly, you know, you know, the type of attractive beauty that a person would want, he actually has romantic feelings for this woman who's 30 or 40, 50 years his, his senior. Because in his fantasy world, in his dreams, you can see Kadar films these super sunlighted scenes where he's with this Jewish woman and she is, looks younger and, and more attractive holding a parasol. And they are like, you know, strolling out together and talking about eating out at restaurants. You know, this is what's in his mind that he found someone that made him feel significant. He found someone that was, and he, and even though it's 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 ludicrous to think that there could be any real relationship between them, in his mind, she represented not only a poor woman but also a friend, a soulmate, someone that he was able to, and 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 that trick to be able to make that happen, this woman who doesn't who can't hear him and is always talking about Shabbos and the way she blesses, the way she gives the bracha on the Shabbos candles, the Yiddish that she uses, the bracha that she gave, the things that she speaks about her children and the unquote, like the, 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 the licht from the Rabbani Shalom that's never going to go out, that shouldn't be by other, and, you know, clearly, you know, Ida Kaminsky took this from, from, from her own life, but the fact that you could cause these two and for him to believe that this would be his, his soulmate and, you know, when, when she does die at his hands he feels that there's only one thing left for him to do which is really to join her in death which is again a very it's 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 maybe too romantic but i think in terms of the arc of the film it, it it's sort of like it, it makes sense um again i'm i'm, I'm sort of like short shrifting it but i i can't i cannot um praise it enough as a film that how can you see this film how is it on one of the streaming services this film is you can see it on um on uh on on tcm because it TCM. did win the oscar and i think criterion you can see it there as well um and and and, and i i think that you could you could probably talk about comparing it to shinoi's list or life is beautiful or some of these other films to me i, I believe that once again i go back to uh, we talk about where we started today, Mark. Escape. We're going to a place. I, I think that the the black and white photography and the fact of being, you actually believe that you are in 1942 um, Slovakia. You believe you're there. It's interesting also, Mark, and maybe, maybe just to tell you that part of what the film is about is about the Slovaks building uh, in the, a monument in the middle of the city, like mm -hmm. a, like a big tower. They talk about in the movie, it's a tower of Babel. Not the Jews saying it; some of the Christians are saying it. Some sort of tower of Babel they're building, mm -hmm. and, and 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 Kroner, uh, the carpenter, isn't part of that building. 
but when it there's the scene where it's finally lit up, and you see what the what it says there, and, and I, I I I read the subtitle and then I went back to look again. What it said was is that life can only be free in God. Hmm. Life right, life can only be free in God with God, and that was what incredibly you think about it that. You know, murder, um, theft, uh, on the grandest scale, and this is officially what their system is, right? <laughs> we, this is life with God, life with God. You know, this is you know the idea, you know, the the bastardization of of of, of religious statements to right. to justify that is something which I think you know comes back to to what you were saying. Um, why we can't tolerate? I mean, can you, you know, the can you imagine that this is, you know, you're about to engage in 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 giving over people and killing them, and you rob them, right. no, it's, kill it's them, a, and you're saying that life has to be with God. It's a rationalization, of course, it's a way of justifying one's own, you know, incoherence. Right, and when when those lights go on and they see this, all the Slovakian peasants and persons. Engage in a labor de catans. They're dancing. The the music is used throughout the film, but the musicians of the city come out and the loudspeakers, and it's like a chasana. They're yeah. mamish dancing. They're dancing yeah. Yeah. over this, and um, I, I think it's a warning to us, especially for our you know not not to let our emotion. <laughs> we believe sometimes, Mark, that when we feel emotionally connected to something, it must be right. When sure. it strikes us that I feel so good about it, this sure. is what I was meant to be, that we, we, we no, then overlook it. We need to caution ourselves not to fall into that trap, that's that easy, easy trap. So anyway, so those are the... There's so a, There's I, a film definitely worth worth watching. Thank you. Yes, so I'll, I'm going to check out Chips again. So Mark, thanks so much really for tonight and for all you out there. Look, you know, this... I think both of these films will probably send you to a, 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 a better place for a while. <laughs> yes. And, and a place that, that you can contemplate and think about. Watch your step on the way out. We'll catch you. Thanks, Mark. Catch you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 